0: Welcome to the Unsuccess Podcast, the podcast where we talk about ministry and vocation here in North Portland. I'm David Libby.
1: And I'm Josh Hawk.
0: And we're here today with two of my favorite people, uh, Andy Goebel and Jules Nielsen, uh, both from Portsmouth Union Church. Uh, Thank you both for coming on.
2: You're welcome.
3: Great to be here.
0: Yeah. Um, So you guys have a really fascinating story and one that I've been following and really intrigued by for a while. Uh, You both pastored different churches. Mm-hmm. Um, you were at, well, I don't even remember the name of your churches before. <laughs> I mean, they don't so really matter all that much,
2: do they? <laughs> um, yeah, I was pastoring University Park United Methodist Church, which was, uh, you know, one of the traditional mainline United Methodist churches, very progressive, but mainline in, uh, North Portland since the 1890s. And so it was as you imagine it. Huh.
3: Mm-hmm. Yes. And I was the pastor of... St. John's Community Church, formerly St. John's Covenant Church, which was only a six-year-old church plant here in North Portland.
1: Yeah, I just thought of Prince. You know, like the church formerly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's your next name. Um, <laughs> you guys are, like you have. There's so many things that you guys. Um, I think that makes your story intriguing and and interesting. Um, and I was I was thinking this morning, just kind of all a – about some of those aspects, and there's you know a hundred different directions that we can go. Um, of course, with a, a lot of the social justice emphasis, and, and your your just your real compassion for people—that's evident, you know—and and just knowing you and talking with you. Um, but I want to back up a little bit, and I want to ask the question: Why? Um, so why why do you do? What motivates you? What's what's at the soul of of who you are? Um, and this story, I, I I think, I think that's probably why you both are where you're at now. Um, but looking back, like why, what are the, what are the whys in your life that have brought you to, to where
3: you are now?
2: Do you have a quick and ready answer?
3: Um, It's really interesting because, of course, right away I'm thinking, "Ooh, what's she gonna say?" Like that was my. I'm like, "What's Jules gonna say?" Uh, Instead of thinking, "What I'm gonna say," Um, but I think, yeah, this is this still holds true for me. Um, I I love people. I don't. I'll be honest, sometimes I don't always like people, but I love people. <laughs> I still have that going, right? And and I I believe I still believe that the gospel story can change the world. Yeah. And um I believe maybe it's um well, I'll just leave it at that. I believe that it, it can change the world. And I do what I'm doing here in this neighborhood, in this community. Because um, I think that that's where it starts, is just in how does living out and embodying the gospel story, um, how does it impact and change our neighborhoods? How does it change the little corner of Fisk and Lombard uh, where we have set up shop? And then how does that, how does it expand from there? How does that, that love, that story of love and grace and inclusion that all are welcome at the table, how does that play out? How do we live that? Um, so I think that, yeah, that's why, uh, that's what motivates me. I also am still driven by this nagging sense of call, um, if I'm honest, like, I um, so I'm a seven on the Enneagram, and I don't know if you guys are, how much you're down with Enneagram language, but for me that means that I'm very easily um, distracted in thinking about possible next things. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, there are times when I can very easily say, like we were saying off mic earlier, like what if I just mo- go and move to this town and start this thing? I'll just start <laughs> this new thing. Wouldn't that be awesome? Um, Hmm. But there there's a sense still that I'm called to be in this place. The whole reason I'm in North Portland is not because I was ever called to plant a church but because I was called to be in this neighborhood and to live here and do life here and do ministry here. That's a long answer. What do you got? I gave you a lot of time to think.
2: I don't think that was a very long answer. I think you should keep thinking keep going no. I- <laughs> I mean I was th- what when you were speaking I was thinking about moments that no one has literally I think no one has ever asked me why I am a pastor. Hmm. I think they've asked me how I became a pastor, yeah. Yeah. which is not the same question. Right. And the, you know my story is really as a woman in the church as a young woman in the church um in a church that has only recently allowed me to even lead. We we only hmm. started ordaining women in 1956 in the United Methodist tradition but mm-hmm. yeah. um I sort of started doing this work because I was angry at the church and I went to school because I was like, these people don't get to ignore the gifts and talents of people like me. And then in the process realized you know, fighting all the way really i I'm I, you know, I'm constantly threatening to throw my credentials in the garbage, but um <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, always, even this morning, I think I might have threatened, but you and me both it's just <laughs> this, I realize like, oh, all of the. The world I live in, which is very much in my head and abstract and is a world of ideas and ideals and opportunities and how can we do this. The church is like the only place I've ever found that is a true laboratory for doing that work. Mm. And um, I'm really attracted to actually living in the real world. and. The church has really challenged me as a leader, as a Christian, as a, as a human being to like stay and work, stay and try, stay and like get vulnerable. Vulnerability isn't really a huge gift of mine. Uh, Other people are so much more evidently uh, talented in that. And, and so like those kinds of relationships that the church calls me to with people who are not like me and with people who I may not like, um, that's been, honestly, that's kind of the reason that I even continued on the process of becoming a pastor. Um, is it's kind of selfish actually. I love people. I don't always look like I love people, but I <laughs> deeply, deeply love them. And I think about them all the time and I consider what their needs are and I worry about them and I pray about them. And, um, um, And it just seems like the only place in the world I've ever found where that's actually the center and the point. I don't know of clubs or even sometimes family isn't like that. Um, Not with the challenge, right? Not with the difference. People who are so different from you. So I remember a meeting I was in when I was in my early 20s and just considering ministry education. And I walked in, and it was this meeting where I kind of had to convince my church leadership team that they should support me in ministry. And the pastor, um, Ed, at the time, he said, said, you're going to have fun. This is going to be fine. And I was like, I understand God the creator, and I understand God the spirit, but this Jesus guy, I just don't get him. So I'm a little worried that I won't actually be fine in this. And he said, you'll figure it out. And I, I think about that conversation, which is almost 15 years old now. um, Because that's what the church offers me is like this opportunity constantly to be like, what's this Jesus guy like?
3: Yeah, that's, that's huge. Cause pretty regularly uh, you, (laughs) I think you'll say to me something like, Oh, Jesus. he's So annoying. So Jesus is so annoying. Always getting like right in your face and in your business and loving you. Let's break
0: that down real quick. (laughs) Give, Give some specifics. What what annoys you about Jesus?
2: What annoys me about Jesus? Yeah. So literally in the middle of arguments in our congregation or interpersonally about like are we doing the right thing when we focus outside ourselves as a church and when we think really big about affordable housing or about homelessness or what pick your poison right sure um and i'm i'm wondering oh my god like should i be carrying shouldn't i be paying more attention to the people that are right in front of me all the time I drive down Lombard and find a man who's been vaguely associated with our church for years, who is homeless, literally bleeding on the street. Andy said later to me, he's like, have you ever heard of the good Samaritan story? And I, you know, but like I had to stop my car and put on my hazards and go. And like I thought he was dead on the bus stop and he's bleeding everywhere and I'm paying attention to him and we gave him first aid and we gave him food and we gave him a place to sleep. And you know, I'm, I'm in this moment of like, are we doing the right thing? Are we paying attention to the right people? And Jesus is like, here. um, Did you need an illustration? Yeah, (laughs) let me give
3: you like living parable right now, so that you can you can know.
0: I told this story two thousand years ago.
2: (laughs) And that is what is so annoying about Jesus. Sure, he's just like, oh. You think there's a question. That's cute. I'm going to tell you there's no question, and you should revisit the scriptures. Um, Have you not been reading? Oh, now we're going to get personal. Have you not been reading your Bible lately, Pastor? You may not have been reading your Bible lately. Can I
3: venture one other thing that perhaps annoys you about Jesus? And you can totally bat it down if you you want. But Jesus went ahead and placed the kingdom of God in the hands of imperfect people who don't have it figured out. Now you're out. preaching and I hate your
2: guts. And <laughs> Now I don't like anything and you're saying. And so
3: frustrating, perhaps, for you. <laughs> yeah. It's-
1: I, I think like when Jesus told Peter, on this rock, I'm going to build your church. Yeah. And I'm like, all the other disciples are saying like, Really, out of all of us, yeah, you
2: chose This garbage Peter. rock. Yeah. This piece of trash I could, rock. this
3: one right here probably would have been like, oh, but, but, but hold on, hold on, hold on. Can we talk about this? Can we talk about this real quick? There are quick? better rocks around here. He doesn't know what a spreadsheet is. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we could categorize the rocks according to hardness, according to resistance to earthquake. We could totally organize this, and then it would be so much better, and that rock, that'll stand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you wow. might have, you might
0: have hit it on something. Oh, oh wow. that's hilarious! <laughs> oh man, the church is built on this garbage rock. Uh, so, 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 so I want to go back to a couple of things. Uh, there, there's so much that was said just recently. Uh, first of all, just gonna just gonna throw this out there. Um, so, and it it this seems to be not. Really, a thing. I was always told in movies that if you're going to set off like a missile to another country, two people have to turn a key at the same time. Um, keep your credentials behind a key that you both have to turn at the same time because it sounds like you both uh, want to throw them away at various <laughs> times. If you if you just both anyway, just, that's, this that's, is that's, a good suggestion. We'll take a, it.
2: We'll take it to our leadership team. That's
0: a freebie. It doesn't seem like uh, <laughs> lately that's been the case for. Uh, america and wanting to set off missiles but um but you can use that um good so call i want to i want to I wanna hang on this idea of calling because you said your calling is part of what's keeping you in this this hmm. commitment this realization that you were called here normally a calling in testimonies and his stories are what you say kicked you off and then you never looked back but but for you and i would estimate for most all pastors um your calling is what keeps you what Mm. what what keeps you going talk a little more about that
3: well, I think that that's what's annoying about God as well is right. that because <laughs> so I I'm not alone. I, I ran. I mean, I would, I ran away from my calling for three years um, when I started my career as a teacher, uh, and I thought that's what I was supposed to do. But I have felt in my spirit. I guess that's the words I'll use since I was a teenager that I, I'm supposed to be a pastor. And I I couldn't explain it, and even, you know, the first time I ever mentioned it, I was in high school, and I, I came home from school, and I said to my parents, this is going to sound weird, but I think I'm supposed to be a pastor, and my uncle was staying with us, and he is a Jerk. I'll edit myself. <laughs> I, I hope I <laughs> I'll send <laughs> yeah. Well My, my uncle, a particular uncle um, who is, we're now estranged from, but this guy said, Oh, well, you have to have a calling to be a pastor. You have to be called into that. You can't just choose that. And I was like, well, I didn't hear anything. I, and I don't even know what that means. So I guess I'm not that. But mm. I, I always sense that, right? So there's this, I feel like calling is almost like nagging and yeah. like to continue to live into nagging, pestering, encouraging. I don't know. Whatever. that's no, the right word. <laughs> maybe it it's was not. For me. A, I don't want to be quite as <laughs> negative, pejorative, but I, it to me, I can't run away from this I can't as much as sometimes I want to I am compelled to stay and to continue this work that I feel I've been designed to do and all of us experience doubt all of us in ministry experience doubt I would imagine because it's healthy to do so and to wonder is this really what I'm supposed to be doing Is, is am I did I do this and now am I done with this and am I um did I really get called? Did I misinterpret that? And and all of those things. And I guess, um, I, I remember something, Jules, that you said um, in the course of a conversation that I returned to. I'm getting emotional. Wow. That's weird. Um, okay. And you said, when people meet Andy Gobel, they go, oh, well, that guy's a pastor. Yeah. Like, they, it's just, it's like, in your duh, it. it's like automatic. And I guess the reason I get emotional is because I never thought of myself like that. Mm. Um, if anything, I think of myself, we were talking earlier, like I'm not reverend or reverend, <laughs> I'm all is. of those things. <laughs> so, but but to have somebody confirm that, um, yeah, I just feel that sense of like I, it's it's who I am, it's what I'll do. And probably if I'm not doing it in the context of the church, I, I can't help it. Maybe.
2: Yeah, I think you're like that. Even when you're teaching, or even when you're in the mm-hmm. bar, or whatever you're doing, I think that's what mm-hmm. I mean when I say like, oh yeah, yeah. you're a bastard. Yeah. like you just like have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that aura about you. Mm-hmm. Not that, not like old fusty, but the other kind. <laughs> Thank
3: you. you. You're welcome.
2: <laughs> I wanted to add that. I I think that it's so interesting because you know I I didn't have exposure to church until you know, later in life. And I certainly didn't grow up in a family that would have recognized pastoral ministry as even a legitimate uh, way to live or be. Um, It wasn't in my, until my 20s when I was baptized. And, you know, even now my family is flabbergasted and confused, but um, it's just, I've always thought about calling because I really wrestled with this. You know, I didn't go to seminary, divinity school, intending to be anything other than credentialed as a person with an MDiv. I didn't go in intending to do anything more than learn, and I fought ordination all the way up to the very day of it. And I, you know, I, my best friend and I, I was sitting near her during the ordination service, and she looked at me and she's like, "Are are you gonna go?" And I said, I guess I have to choose now, don't I? Yeah, I guess I'm going up. Okay. And it was like the last few minutes when I find she asked me, and I said, Okay, yes. And so, because for me, I never did receive a calling of any specific kind. Mm-hmm. And I've always thought calling to ministry is something that we can be both called to and called away from. Uh-huh. Um, it calling changes on sometimes a yearly basis. What's the shape of that calling? God asks us to move in all sorts of weird ways and shapes. And I think we make big mistakes, big life changing, damaging family, destroying mistakes. When we say like, I am this Mm. and we look at God and we're basically like, and I challenge you to deny that I am correct in my assessment of what you have called me to Um, and so I've always really seen calling not as a moment, but as a conversation and I'm constantly, constantly having this conversation with God about it, you know, is it today? Am I, am I supposed, is this the day that I change what I'm doing? Like, where do you need me right now? And that's why I really do believe in the ministry of all believers, because <laughs> I think that, you know, you can be called into ministry leadership for a season and then called out of it. I watch people in our church context and in a bunch of places where I've served where they've been called into leadership in so many ways that are more powerful, more integrated, more interesting, more whatever than mine, and, um, and they're not me. They're not in the position I'm in. They're not called pastor, whoever. And so I'm always waiting and ready for that moment where God says, you know what, Jules, like, it's time for you to become the member of a church. Like, that's your calling now. Or it's time for you to move full time into nonprofits. And that's where you're going to do that work. And So I see it as super fluid. And I still am not entirely clear how I ended up a pastor. I do feel like I ended up one. And the reason that I ended up one is probably because one of the things that I tend to have a gifting in is looking at the whole picture. And I think pastors need to do that. Mm -hmm. And I really like to do that work. And so I think God has put me here for now. And, you know, any day now I could wake up and the message from (laughs) the Spirit's going to be, it's done. It's time for something else. Bye-bye. Will you... you, Let I'll me, let, let you know, know ahead of time. I line. will give you a little text <laughs> message. Just two text key me system.
1: A, two, two key system.
3: We gotta <laughs> talk. Might might be a, a multi beer conversation.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I would quit today. I'm saying but if maybe God's, tomorrow.
3: <laughs> 24 hour but
1: notice. Like,
2: and and I think that you know for. I know so many pastors and I know so many pastors who are like, this is what I'm going to do until the day I retire from it slash like it's a terminal illness or something that Uh you like die of. And, and I think that one of the reasons I cling to this idea that I could be called out of the ministry at any time by God, not pushed out of it by stress or burnout or whatever is that it gives me the freedom to hold it a little more lightly and to say like, yeah, like, when I'm gone there will be another one of me and you will like that person or you won't just as much as you liked me or didn't and I'll go do something else and maybe it'll be the right thing and maybe I'll choose badly but at least there's some freedom there's freedom in the sense that calling is flexible Mm right? which means you don't succeed at it like there's no like promotion or doing it the greatest of anybody because any one of us could be saying like at any point, this isn't actually my permanent status because my, the core of my identity is not, I am a pastor. Yeah.
3: Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And this, uh, you said the success piece, it, I I feel sometimes there are just little moments where I'm, I find myself being like, when I get to be a real pastor, oh, the grown-up when I get to be, <laughs> when I get yeah. to be eventually when I, when I get around to being a real pastor, I'm going to do the stuff that she does or like whatever. Right. Or like when we, when, when we finally, when we're like a, real church yeah. community and yeah. we're rolling real church There's style like 200 like people like this, in worship just everything and we've got all the flat screens we want and all that like that kind the of technology stuff. in <laughs> the world the kingdom the things, of god where the
2: technology never fails yeah it, it
3: yeah. never yeah. fails and the music is unbelievable but but those uh, yeah th- that's it's not you're real. saved from that yeah it's not real right. yeah Technology
1: that never fails. I was watching a TED Talk this morning, you know, and even there, he had a wireless mic and all of a sudden, midway through, you know, he was handed a corded mic and... Yeah. (laughs) Even in that setting, technology still fails.
2: (laughs) And they don't have God, like, apparently controlling all the things, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's that's always a a slap in the face when you realize God isn't handling the service the way he really needs to because the sound... (laughs) Cut out yeah. at 9:59, and we're supposed to start at 10. Yeah, what?
1: <laughs> or there's a baby crying, you know, right at our kind of the apex of our sermon. Yep. You know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. or oh, yeah. No, it's not. Off.
0: It's not the baby cries. Baby cries are one thing. It's the I swallowed spit wrong, and I'm coughing <laughs> incessantly. Like the yeah. the person in the front row is just coughing up their lung. And you're trying to give these people something to get through their week with. Mm-hmm. And, they, yeah. you know, it's never going to happen now because, oh, Claudia had a coughing fit. You failed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> or still, the cell phone.
0: Oh, the cell phone. Right? Yep. Yep. The
3: cell phone ring at that moment. And you just want to throw that thing through the stained glass window. Yeah. we don't have stained
2: glass windows, but.
3: I've
1: had an experience or two where they actually answer it.
2: Oh, no, I've had people this my favorite moment. I've had so many favorite moments as we all have. But one of my favorite moments was when somebody answered their cell phone during my sermon, full volume ringtone, of course full-volume conversation, but then ducked under the pew in the middle of the sermon to have the conversation? We could all still hear the full Well, you thing. know,
0: above the pew, there, there's like a sound barrier between <laughs> the pew and the uh, being up. So he knew. I mean, no one could hear him. Brilliant. Yeah, no, genius. So uh, I want to talk about your merger, if that's the right word, because uh, you said, Jules, that... um. God could call you away from the ministry, and it would be okay because someone else would take this over. Andy, I know you've said to me before you you thought that happened. Mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. essentially you thought we're done. yeah, so tell us about uh, both of your stories because uh, I know this is just a massive conversation, but it, it's just really fascinating how this all came together.
2: What do you want to hear? Um what would be well, interesting? Uh
0: Andy start with uh, start with what happened with your church and then how you got hooked up with mm-hmm. church
3: Sure. Church. So, um we we were a part of uh a denomination that um an evangelical denomination uh, and I was ordained in this denomination and uh while they um have a lot of claim about being about social justice and about and being progressive and for evangelicals are fairly progressive. Um, The one area that uh, is still problematic is the issue of LGBT inclusion. And our church started when I first planted the church. I I told those in charge of denominational leaders, I said, we are going to be an inclusive church. If that's a problem, tell me right now and we won't plant. We won't do I won't do this. And they said, no, that's totally fine. In fact, we know some gay folk. We'd love to have be a part of your church. Now, what I didn't catch was that it meant just don't say anything about it, right? Don't don't be open about just it. Just keep so, quiet, right? Just yeah, yeah, just quietly receive those people and welcome them. Um, but we so when it came time to um, when it came time to become an official part of the denomination after a few years of being a church plant um we started to my my leadership team asked questions we're we're all about inclusion we're all about like lgbt folks being a part of the full life of the church and leadership and all aspects of the church um isn't this going to be a problem for our denomination and so we made the mistake of asking the question if that was a problem with them and and to make a very long and painful story much shorter it wasn't long before we were invited to no longer be a part of that denomination um, and we were invited to, that's my new friendly way of saying that.
2: You're
3: invited. We were invited to no longer be a part my, of
2: that. My
0: spiritual director <laughs> always spins negatives into an invitation. That yeah. Is super annoying. <laughs> yeah. So
3: um, we were kicked out essentially and, uh, or rejected, however you would put it. And uh, I was invited to transfer my credentials elsewhere. So, and they also, we were squeezed out of our building that we were meeting in at the time. And uh, and so we were in uh, tremendous trauma, and this is why I thought it was. I told you I thought it was over in that moment, and then um, our our friend, all of our friend, um, David Brewer, uh, said you should really sit down with um, this woman, Julia. She, uh, but when you do, um, set aside like lock out a lot of time because you guys are gonna (laughs) get going, and you're gonna like. It's going to take some time. It is
2: possibly the most significant suggestion anyone has ever made in my history of my my ministry. Wow! Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, just he absolutely. just read the room. He just so, totally
3: right. did. So, I I called her. Said, can we get together for beers? We did. I sat there and basically vomited all of our pain and trauma that we were experiencing as a church. And she was like, nice to meet you. Thanks for the vomit. And <laughs> <laughs> but but Noah was so pastoral. I, I'll say she was pastoral in the way that she received all of this. And she said, listen, um, I can't make any promises, but I would love to um, take this back to my church. I think we can help you out with a place to be. And she did, and their church, and she can tell the story from their end. They said, yes, we we want to afford these folks a place to to." nest for a season so we um we were out of our building on february 8th i think of 2015
2: yeah. and in our place on february 15th february
3: 15th 2015 we moved about our stuff a
2: month's notice.
0: no i remember that day because uh i had just gotten to my church mm-hmm. and we met you said oh my gosh they the st john's christian church hired a really young pastor and then like the second thing you said was to the group, we're getting kicked out of our church and can anyone help us move? Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this guy's going through some (laughs) crap. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't realize the magnitude at that point.
3: The beauty of when, when, at that time, University Park United Methodist Church said, come on over. They didn't just say, like, you can come and be here. They said, bring your stuff. Bring your artwork. Dang it, again. Just bring all of what you do and come and do it out of this space, right? We, and who does that, right? What church says, come over here and just keep doing the work that you're doing. And so we we came and we decided to worship together for the season of Lent.
2: But first you had your last communion service and yeah. those folks came and were a part of it.
3: Yeah, that's right, University Park folk came to the last service, I'm so glad. They didn't so even glad. know you. They didn't know us, oh Jules, I'm so glad that you said that. <laughs> you reminded me of the beauty of that that two people from University Park came and were a part of the last communion service in the old building wow and and we we picked up the communion table at the end.
2: You took it out of the building
3: and walked it out of the building, and like, here we go we We don't know what this is going to look like, but here we go. And so we landed with University Park decided to worship for the season of Lent together and got to the end. And uh, it was a couple of Sundays after Easter that we were going to have this meeting and decide um, we're going to have our two leadership teams come together and decide, okay, it's time. Who's going to use the building at what time? What time is St. John's going to meet? What time is, what time is Union, what, what time is a uh, university park going to meet? And Jules just before worship, I'll never forget just before worship started she just pulled me aside and whispered in my ear, said, Um, hey, just so you know, uh, University Park's leadership team just met and they don't want to stop worshiping together. They don't want to split it all. So okay, let's start worshiping. <laughs> and I was like, What huh? Yeah.
0: what? Hang on, we like, need this is gonna be problematic. This is gonna be problematic, right? And then
3: after church, we had this meeting, we sat there, and I was like, Oh no, what's our leadership team gonna say? to them, and the chair of our leadership team said, we don't wanna stop worshiping with you all either. We love you. We have Thank grown you. in our love for you. Yeah. Wow! Thank you, we love you. Can we keep churching together? And Jules and I looked at each other and we're like, Oh, no. Whoa.
2: We're in trouble.
3: <laughs> we <laughs> we got to figure out. Because,
2: I mean, here are these people. And, I, I mean, I, I can tell you about University Park's kind of mindset, but... Um, here are these people and they're looking across the table each other first of all andy and i are not in control of this situation <laughs> like this has officially entered the realm of yep. you are being punked yep what is happening yep. and for yep. you too
0: that's a problem that's a not problem being in I, yeah. as i yeah.
2: often say and andy will quote me as saying i don't enter a vote i don't already know the outcome of uh-huh. right i don't <laughs> i don't go places where i don't not because i'm controlling it but because we have done the work yeah. this is a technicality we have already done the relational work and I was unprepared for this. Also, both of us I, jaws on the floor. Total. Both and, of us. I mean, you should also know about me that the only thing that I hate more than somebody who doesn't do what they say they're going to do <laughs> is a surprise. surprise. And <laughs> and I mean, like like I've literally cried. One of the first times you ever really screwed up with me uh-huh. was when you let Wayne Harrell surprise me in worship, Uh-huh. and I didn't know what was going to be done after yeah. me. Yeah, I learned and a I big lesson. And I cried in lesson. public.
3: She was not good. It was not good. No. It was not
2: good. And so... Um, <laughs> no, more surpri- no, no, surpri- no more No surprise. No Radiohead
3: No more surprises. No more
2: surprises. So, yeah, so we walked into this meeting, and these gr- these people, and he and I are completely out of control. We have no idea what's going to happen next. We don't know the future of... Our- we went from understanding generally the future of both of our churches to, in one hour, having no clue what was going on, no idea how we were going to manage this, and no roadmap. And, um, and it had been clunky. It had we been We had clunky. two different
3: worship styles. styles and
2: theologies
3: and like histories and cultures. Understanding like of what it
2: even means to serve Jesus. Like, In
3: some ways we were, I, I would say, to be honest, we were kind of looking forward to the relief of pulling yeah. apart and just being who we've always been. That's right.
2: I mean, i I, I kind of grimace at that now but that's true yeah
3: at the time but now i can't imagine it and i hate even saying that out loud i know
2: but i think that's probably true and you know the the reality is like we sat in that room and I remember who said it and I remember how lovingly it was said. And, you know, one person from, you know, as we say, we never say this now, but as we would have said before, from the university park side uh-huh. um, said, you know, our, we were dying and um, we were looking for warm bodies and we, th- we really wanted young people and we've been praying for you for a really long time. And somebody from the St. John's side uh-huh. said, we really wanted grandmas and grandpas and we've been praying for you for a really long time. And it was just like, Oh, we have no idea what is going to happen with this. (laughs) That's just a lot. And I don't remember the rest of that meeting. I don't remember what we decided. I don't remember how we decided to move forward really even, but it was one of those moments where you both it's like a great marriage, right? Where like both people come with their full stuff, their strengths, their weaknesses, Uh their fears, their anxieties, their hopes for the future. And both of them are like, oh, with you, I can do all of these things. I actually was waiting for you. And I really do feel now like we were waiting for each other. Right. And, you know, Andy and I happen to be very complimentary leaders. We tend, to, we happen to be very fortunate that that was true. And that for some reason God decided like, Oh, if this is going to work, these two people probably need to be in charge at that point in time. Um, but you know, mostly what made it work was these people said, yeah, we're in, I mean, whatever. And the University Park folks, like, you know, Andy told the story of his church. Um, when, when I came in July 2014, um, which is the standard season for United Methodists to come into, into relationship with churches in the summer, um, I was told, you know, I met with their leadership team and I was told very clearly by them and the leadership in our, in our institution, like, this is a church that is really important. And it's dying and it needs to make some decisions because it can either go out ugly or it can go out pretty, uh, but it can't go out unintentionally. And so but we all were, of
1: those were emphasized on going out.
2: All of it was going out. And they were like, wow. you know, you can make a plan for life, but it's going to have to be pretty impressive. And I am, <laughs> I'm not a quitter. And I also, I, I was very clear with them. I said, you know, I'm no good as a maintaining, sustaining pastor. Yeah. Um, I can help churches die. Well, I'm a good hospice chaplain and I'm a really good, uh, I'm a, I'm a good doula, right? Like I can bring things to life, but I'm not good in that middle space. So if you want to just keep doing what you're doing, it's not going to be me that helps you do it. You can do it. I'm just going to leave after a year. And so we had this meeting and they, uh, they, they were kind of interviewing me and I was kind of interviewing them. Cause I had also said, like, I don't really want to be a pastor anymore. I had loved my last church and kind of said like, pastors don't get that lucky. They don't get two churches they like this much. And, um, (laughs) so we were kind of, you know, circling each other and they said to me, I remember one woman in particular said, uh, we're very, very committed to gay and lesbian inclusion in the church. And our pastors have for many years taken great risks to make sure that we're safe and that we are, uh, if not accepted in the larger church, we have a good and safe place to be as, people who want to follow Jesus are you the kind of person who will be able to do that and I said I actually don't know how to serve a church where that is not a possibility and um, if you hadn't asked me that question I was going to say no to serving you and so we kind of had the same experience that we had with St. John's where we just kind of it was the answer to prayer and as we were you know committing each other to each other over the course of the next few months. We'd been given kind of a 6-month deadline, live or die. Figure it out or don't. But the the writing is on the wall because at that point there were only about 17 people in worship on a Sunday, sometimes four, oh. right? Depending on how nice the weather was. <laughs> and
0: Welcome to Portland. This this was (laughs) pre-merger. This was pre-merger,
2: and but those people who were left, I call them the faithful remnant. I mean, they were doing everything. They were fantastic four. They were the Fantastic Four. They were (laughs) they were amazing, and they were so devoted and beautiful and Mm. and faithful, and just so in love with the idea that this church will fight until the death, and so we we did a long season of reflection and um, prayer and study and came to the conclusion, like, no, we want to fight for life and we're going to do it by building affordable housing on our property. And they made that commitment with no information, no education, no understanding of what the steps would be. And literally a month later, St. John's community church came to us and said, we need a place to be. And, and the folks at university park have a long history, Decades, 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 generational long history of being a place for refugees, of a place for refugees from the AIDS crisis, a place of uh, ref- a place of um, hospitality for people who are being ex- like basically exiled from their churches because they don't believe in what that church believes or whatever it is. And their identity was really centered around hospitality. They didn't always get it right. but They did it really intentionally and they looked around. I, you know, I took the suggestion after Andy and I had those drinks and talked and he shared that story with me. And I went back to them the next week and I said, listen, we have an opportunity for some neighbors who are not like us to come and be here with us. And they're really tired and they've been doing the work that you all have been doing. Um, They're not expert at it, but they're really trying. Do you think we could have them here? And I thought I had to sell them on this idea so hard and they all looked around and they were like, people did that for us. yeah wow. of course mm-hmm. and the only question I got the only real question you'll remember this question Andy somebody raised their hand and this this leader in the church same woman who had asked me the hard question about gay and lesbian folks in the church and my leadership she she said, I, I'm feeling a little anxious about this and I said, okay Carolyn, where's your anxiety what you fearing? And she said, "I'm afraid he's not going to be a very good preacher."
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I was like, "I have no idea whether that's true or not true." You're like but I've gonna- seen him,
0: and that's true.
3: Better roll the <laughs> dice. Roll the dice. Their only fear.
2: Their only fear was, and it was really about me. They didn't want me to not have. Um, the opportunity to be in the pulpit they're very sensitive about gender and, sure. and that kind of thing but um they were she was like you're just i just really want him to be as good a preacher as i expect and we have good preachers at our church and that's and that was the one do you remember what she said after i for i preached my first sermon there no so after
3: <laughs> she came to you and said this she uh so I preached oh that's and right. she, I oh, that's preached right. sermon and she said if you close your
2: eyes if you close your eyes you'd almost think he was Methodist
3: <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> You Something about my appearance like that, was bitch. like, oh, hell no. <laughs> he's not. He's not, not There's no way. If you close your eyes. I don't know if I just, I didn't have the right tattoo if or. If you close your eyes, he looked
2: nothing. It was awesome. Um, yeah. yeah. It was awesome. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um.
0: So talk just a little bit. I want to get to housing and uh, I sure. know we don't have a lot of time left. Uh, But uh, talk a little bit about you were with a denomination and then you changed your denomination to DOC Mm -hmm. you are United Methodist you're both denominations now yes I have not heard of any church doing that. So, uh, the,
2: oh, oh <laughs> heavens, you want to do, do, do rock, wanna, paper, scissors? I don't, We're I will never step up. That that yeah. I, yeah. like, hang on, hang on. on. <laughs>
0: I think that lady would want you to speak first. <laughs> yes. that because you're a better preacher.
2: And so.
3: It's a podcast. I sound Methodist. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody That's can right. see
2: me. Yeah, everybody's got their eyes closed right now.
3: <laughs> They'll go. Do um,
2: yeah, so when we, we became what's called a union. So it's not two churches merging like into one thing that is, you know, kind of mushy. It's, we took two churches and we became a whole third thing that is components of both, which is, sounds crazy when i try to describe it it's like well, the trinity yeah exactly it's just very confusing no did one can try
0: anything like disciplinist or disciplinist or, or something Method-
2: did, did you <laughs> try because
0: i wouldn't not try that <laughs> an <laughs> important clarifier though is that and this was really
3: important to us because there are two options you become a federated church or a union church and the federated church is everybody, the yeah, everybody makes a choice i want to be methodist or i want to be disciples but in the union church you're both everyone's both yeah. so that's what we presented to our people which and, and there was a long process of figuring uh. discernment and conversation and how are we going to so do this so much talking so much conversation and, and anxiety and questions and questions and questions and and but when it came time the people said we want to be one, we want to be one church like when
2: you're married yeah. and you have you're still you And you also take on the other person's stuff. Yeah. But you have this new thing you are. And we we really saw it. I I give this presentation at New Church Start and revitalization conferences on a regular basis. That's called When Two Churches Fall in Love. Mm -hmm. And um that's really we've we talked about getting this baby born and about shotgun weddings and all sorts of things, but it is we became we are simultaneously one thing and also multiple things at the same time. Yeah,
3: and the, another important thing to to point out is there was this third stream that came along. We went through a seasons where we called ourselves two churches one congregation, right? right. There's this but during that season, people were coming and becoming a part of the community who were not Methodist or disciples or they're just like whatever y'all are doing, we right. dig this and we're in. So we we started to talk about it as the third. Three streams, streams coming together, right, to cut to create this new river that is our that is Portsmouth Union Church. So, um, so that was that yeah. was a part of the story too. So
2: yeah. Andy and I retain our identities as pastors in our respective traditions, but our congregation is both disciples and Methodist at the same time.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is just unheard of. <laughs> I've never I'm, met anybody I'm else sure, who's done it. I'm sure it's happened to other places, but man, I, when you first pitched that, and that must have been after so much talk, but when I first heard it, I was like, there's no way that's going <laughs> work, man.
2: Especially since the disciples of Christ and the United Methodist systems are fundamentally designed differently. Yep. And, um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> so we really, we've really had to think through what's important in that and what do we just like leave aside because we can't explain it or reconcile it and how do we be us while also being respectful of our traditions and histories? It's a tricky, I think it'll be well, an ongoing conversation We also, forever.
3: we... we... We invented a a form of polity, basically, because we have, you know, the disciples are congregational. They have congregational polity, and um, the United Methodists are connectional polity, right? And we said, well, how do we wrestle with these things? And we said, well, our church, we have conversational polity. So that whenever we're making decisions, we're always going to talk uh, we're, no matter what. Up and across. Up across. However that decision comes out, it's always going to be in the course of conversation as a community. Yeah. yeah. That's a lot about polity.
2: I'll, blah, blah. Blah,
3: yeah. <laughs> Boring.
2: Boring. Keep talking. Bored.
0: Yeah. I, <laughs> <not> bored. <laughs> I think totally. I so appreciate, though, your story, and I, I appreciate you both so much because, like, the stream of Christianity that I come from uh, – Stream of Christian, I don't even like saying that, but uh, it the it was it, it started in like the eighteen hundreds from a couple of guys who were like, we want unity in the church, and then over time that right. became three denominations, right? In you know, we're dis- and I'm disciples. Dude, disciples so I'm right are right one of those. You. Right. Yeah, you were you were one yeah. of them. And and so this is
3: not what Stone and Campbell wanted,
0: dude. Right? Exactly. Well, and I I was uh, in a, a youth pastor in a DSG church for a while, and I I got that and. I'm thinking, well, is there any way to not have division in the church if like a couple of people who thought we need to unify the churches ended up splitting into three. Is there yeah. is there any way to undo that? And I see in you and two uh, something that happened that I've not seen before Well, and I love.
2: the United Methodist Church has a history of unity as well. And uh, we've made mistakes a lot. We split over segregation. Like, there was a whole bunch of problems, right? But we've also had a history of we're in full communion with the Lutheran Church. Lutheran and United Methodist pastors are basically interchangeable. We have, in 68, we were Methodist and Evangelical brethren and we came together and are now one church and so we have that history and i really have come especially over the time that we've been together as portsmouth union um i've come to understand that it's powers and principalities are really attempting to divide and conquer us like Mm -hmm. the work of jesus in the world is um is stymied is stopped is barricaded by the fact that we are not unified and not in this like pretend sort of passive aggressive non-confrontational unification where we just don't talk about problems but in this like real like you bring your crap to me and I bring my crap to you and we're going to put it all out on the table which is what we did mm-hmm. um we I mean we literally preached together about the problems you and I were having on a weekly basis <laughs> as our sermon uh-huh. we sat
3: in front of our church together and had theological conversation that sometimes got a little heated because wow. we had a different, we are coming from a different place. But I also f- think that the beauty of that is it freed other people to have that conversation yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Say, and say and where they're uncomfortable and some of the things that we brought to the, like we, we yeah. got it out there and, and now it's a, kind of a, a regular part of what we do. I mean, we yeah. preach together once a month to kind of model that um, yeah. we disagree
2: plenty all the time. I mean, but not as much as usual, but um, as before, we used but, to. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, so I, th- I do think that there is something about, you know, I don't use this easily or, or lately, like there's something not of the Lord, like devilish yeah. about, Disunity yeah. and about the idea right. that we're yeah. gonna go to our place on Sunday and we're gonna be with our people on Sunday and we're gonna see the same yeah. things on Sunday and we're not gonna try to and we're gonna like make these little forays out into other things right. but we're always gonna come back to where we're really comfy cozy and then not really make any hard choices. Right. Um, and what has happened to us and I, you know, we were a part of it and but didn't instigate it like in an ideal world, y'all would never have lost your identity as. Mm-hmm. St. John's Covenant. That's a that's a tragedy, um, but because we were given this opportunity, we are also given an opportunity to confront. Like, well, do we really believe in the body of Christ and mm-hmm. the Church Universal, or do we not really believe in that? We just like to talk about it. Yeah,
3: yeah, and right. and I'll say this too: there is still a tension that we find ourselves living into because, as one of if not the most progressive congregations on the peninsula here. The idea of unity and being united and everybody coming together—it's still there's a tension there because as much as I would love to everyone be one and everyone's together, um, I also am absolutely committed to there being safe that to creating safe spaces for certain people in our community, um, in our church who have been wounded by the church. And so there are some times when I'm like, I'm sorry, but we can't worship in the same space because you're not in the same place that we are on this. And that makes you an unsafe person and it makes this an unsafe space. And that's a difficult tension. Hard. I wish we could like let that all wither and you know, Josh, I've I've heard you um, propose the idea of, of everyone coming together and having a big old Easter worship service. Uh-huh. I love that idea. And at the same time, the reality is, I don't know if that can happen because I I, it, I as I'm, I feel protective of us. So, am, am I, am I
2: no, do, absolutely. You, do you hear what yeah, I'm mean, saying? There's, you know, this is, this is the thing about boundaries and you preached on boundaries and barriers Uh a couple weeks ago and the difference between them and they're, we set up barriers for ourselves, for real ministry and real Christian discipleship and living all the time. And they're Uh always stupid. They're always, when you get underneath them, they're dumb. They don't really exist. They're based in fear and anxiety and nothingness Uh and just the world gets in the way. And then there are boundaries. Uh And boundaries are things that even God set up. God said, you shall observe the Sabbath. Stop, stop moving, stop talking, stop doing for a day. That's all I'm asking. God said, hey, when you do these things, do them in this way, right? It's safer, it's better for everybody, it's healthy, it'll keep you well. And I think that when it comes to what you're talking about with inclusion, some of it is the same way. It's like, we have folks who come to us because they are refugees from church experience that has harmed them emotionally, sometimes physically. Mm. And if we're going to maintain that, um, holy space for them, if, if we're going to be one of the places, we're not the only one, but if we're going to be one of the places where they can walk through the doors and say, I am fully present here in my body, in my spirit. I can, I can connect to God here because I don't have to look around all the time over my shoulder wondering whether somebody is going to do something, say something to me that is going to hurt my soul. Um, We have to protect that. And that doesn't mean not partnering and it certainly doesn't mean not sharing in the body of Christ. Absolutely, But it does mean that sometimes like the hand can't do what the foot is doing. Yeah. It can be connected. It just can't do the same thing. They're not functionally the same. And so like this is how I think of all the different ways that churches in our community in particular in North Portland is like some folks are able to care for people I'm not able to care for. It's just and and I'm able to care for and you're able to care for people that other like other pastors are not able to care for because of where they've been placed. right? Right. And so like in that is actually a sense of unity because it's like. Together we have blanketed great. the whole peninsula. That's a yeah.
3: that's a that's a wonderful way to frame that. That boundaries yep. and barriers. That's a really really good word. I'm so glad I preached that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You that were sounds right. like a really
0: good I'm, Methodist I'm sermon. I'm so yeah. smart. I I, I, I take just full the best credit sermon. for that.
2: It was great. What a I, smart guy I am. I'm, I'm
0: so great. People are lucky it's to really have It's really pleasant
2: to have someone else quote back to me what I preached three weeks ago. <laughs>
0: To be real though, like that's that's one of the things that's beautiful about um, about all one and about what's happening yeah. here in here in North Portland, and I think you know it's beyond North Portland. But uh, seeing people being cared for by um, uh, one pastor that you know that person wouldn't step foot in another church yeah, sure. with with another pastor who would care for them just as much, but like. That's they, right. they wouldn't feel okay there and so yeah. and, and, and that's a, the
3: other thing that I would say is that I'm the reason why I'm glad to be a part of all one and to be in partnership and in community with other pastors um, on the peninsula here is I I will continue to and I have had people come to me that i'm very aware that our church was is not going to be the best place for them right and i'm but I'm able to say, but you should go talk to my buddy Josh or you should go talk to my buddy Chad or david like whoever like uh, Herman, uh, like all these people yeah. that I'm able to say you should go talk to them check out they do uh, they do great work. they're good, good people, right go yeah. and check that out. I think that's going to be more your vibe yeah. than than us, right yeah. and I can. I think that there is something beautiful about
0: that. I've not mastered that conversation. I've, I, I have it a lot, but I, I always feel like I'm saying, we don't want you, but you should. And, 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 we I, wouldn't give not you an a, opportunity. To right. Go. That's not at all what I'm saying. I'm just saying. I don't think you're gonna be happy here. Yeah, but you will here, and yeah. So I'm I'm still learning to so there is, do that. You well,
1: know, Andy and I, you and I, I think it was a number of years ago. We had a conversation around a paper that I was writing, and Nieber was the yeah. um, kind of the the pinnacle point. And I think he identified seven different areas of Christ interacting with culture, and in each one of those areas, we tend to wherever we kind of end up we say this is the right way yeah. and my realization is like holy cow like god is so much bigger than that right. and yep. and god interacts with culture in all of those ways and like at the same time you know that that union bit of saying like yeah god in some expressions is against culture and then in other expressions is actually really embracing it and then you know a number of different ways kind of along the along the bit and the fact that god is so much bigger then we will we will ever understand yeah. <laughs> um, and so that emphasis on on unity, of, of saying like we're going to have our things, but we're still going to be able to love each other. and, mm-hmm. yeah. um, well, and that's
3: that that's what I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I'm uh, if I, I mean, just say that's what was so beautiful about when we moved out of our yeah. building, yeah, is I knew that there were there were pastors there who um, don't see eye to eye with me theologically, yeah. and yet there they were helping me move out, helping us move out of our space saying, keep doing what you're doing. And the, I mean, you, you can't argue with the beauty of that, no, right? You
1: can't. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. And that was kind of David's initiation into yeah, the, yeah. this whole church in North Portland thing. Um, but right. on that unity bit, it was, I think it was in the fourth century, a story sticks out with me with the Donatist schism, where Donatist kind of, he had this hard and fast thing that said, you know, if you apostatize, you can't be a bishop, you know, you can't be welcomed back into the church. And it was Augustine who went to him and said, you know, you're actually probably right. But for the sake of unity and for the sake of the bigger picture and where the church is right now, like, we need to let that go. Hmm. Um, we need to just embrace the, the love and the, yeah. you know, the inclusion and
3: the unity. It might actually be what Luther would call adiaphora, right? Like, yeah. maybe <laughs> may like what, like the thing that's not really the thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, in this is experience too. It's one of the conversations I think we were even having as recently as this morning was there. We find ourselves still they're still wrestling with our congregation and figuring out how is this church going to work? It's not all
2: paradise. It's not
3: all, but, and there's, and there's so many times, and I I know you guys have experienced this too, where you, you want to look at some of the folks who come to you and just say, Oh, I know you think that's really important, but it's just not, it's just not that important. And you don't say, I mean, I'm a, I don't th- I don't say that. I'm a better pastor than that, but you really want but to. But barely, yep. but just barely. <laughs> and I might be Well, and I've known at least I've known, I won't say, I won't say any names, but I've known certain pastors who will look at people and say, "Um, I don't know the answer to that," and I think it's a little lower on the totem pole. Stop
2: it. it- <laughs> I did not say that on Sunday. He said he wasn't naming names. <laughs> you just outed yourself. You can't quote somebody and then say anonymous <laughs> when she's sitting right in front of you. It was so great. Uh, I
3: think it's lower on the
2: totem pole. Oh,
0: that's
1: that was a much better way of saying it than... Well, rather than saying was, like, so it was beautiful. You're wrong.
2: I mean, here's where I am on it. We are in the business of saving the whole damn world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have real big fish to fry. Yeah. Right? Yeah. right? Like the church has to solve this affordable housing crisis. We are responsible if we do not. we It is on our doorstep. Yeah. We have homeless folks camping on our property right now, bleeding, what in the world are we doing? We have people who are dying and who do not understand that they are loved. We have folks who are afraid that they are gonna go to hell because of all sorts of reasons that are stupid, mundane, not real, because some dummy, decided when they were five to tell them something that was really just unreasonable. Mm. We have all of this work to do and here I am and here you are, here we all are dealing with whatever nonsense people bring to us where it's just like, why aren't we filling this form out the right way? Yeah. Yeah. Right? (laughs) Like, what, wait, didn't you say you were gonna blah, blah, blah by Tuesday? Yeah. Yeah. And, And I just think, you've got to be kidding me. We have so much to do, and this is where you're spinning, spinning your wheels? Like, come on. Don't waste our time. I can just – well, it,
3: it, it's – I can see Jesus. <laughs> I can see Jesus, like, just looking that at those people call. and either just being like, hmm. John, do you have this one? Do you have, <laughs> can you go ahead and, and handle this? Because I'm going to go, like, heel and bead and, like – Die for the a, world I got a cross gonna, to go gonna, like up for a while. Andrew, can you go ahead and help out?
0: Matthew. The lady Matthew who's worried about them. the the carpet color. Can you go? Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um you <laughs> mentioned, well, they did
3: that in
2: Acts. Uh, I mean they right. did
1: that. They yeah. said yeah, like, divide yeah, yeah, exactly. We don't have time to mess with that. Exactly. So, you know, we're gonna have a council. Well even Moses did it.
2: Like, go farther back, right? Moses is like, oh man, I can't deal with the details. And it bless his father-in-law uh, comes up and he's like so here's what you do you divide them into hundreds tens it's got we've <laughs> yeah, got this right right and but here we are and we're like let's take all of it we've got it and it's such a stupid system we have to stop yeah we have to stop put
0: all the groceries in one plastic bag <laughs> that's right <laughs> you know Not, we don't have it's plastic awful. bags here But
1: so, uh, this journey you guys feel like you're a real
3: church now finally
1: oh
2: such a funny question are you a real <laughs> pastor andy
3: that depends on the day <laughs> <laughs> we no
2: were... I, I would say yeah I, I would
3: answer that and say um when i look at how we are churching yeah um then yeah it's very real in every sense of what real is yeah it's it's really good. It's really beautiful. It's really hard. It's really messy. It's all of that, but it's, it's real because it, um, it is emotionally, uh, and spiritually deeply impactful. Yeah. For for, I, for me, Just for me, yeah. For me, for us. Right. Yeah. So I would say, yeah, it is, it's definitely real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, uh,
1: I mean, we were talking about that earlier and I, you know, I worked with under my dad for 10 years as, his, as, as the assistant. Um, but there was no box to kind of check. I wasn't the youth pastor. I wasn't mm-hmm. the worship pastor. I wasn't the second guy. Like my dad and I did ministry together. And I had a few people last year when I was installed as lead pastor, like, all oh, right, now you're finally a real pastor. I'm like, mm-hmm. uh, well, no, not re- like in, yeah. what have I been doing for the last time? Right. Um, I,
0: I have been, but thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> and so there's, there's a beauty, you know, in what you guys have experienced, and what I I think really is kind of catching all of North Portland, um, you know, with the pastors that I, I talk with and the churches, where we church doesn't look like it it does in elsewhere, and it doesn't look like it did ten or fifteen or. 50 years ago, Mm -mm. um, you know, it changes and it's adapted and you know, where you guys are to, you know, be bivocational and doing church together as a team. And that may not be the ideal. Um, but it has, I think it, it frees up a lot of things. It's this different, cool, unique expression and your, like your end goal isn't to build a real church. Right. Um, but your like your call, your passion for people is to say, and I think there's a beauty in the calling there too, Jules, as you were saying earlier, kind of holding it openly or loosely to saying, man, God has me here kind of for a purpose. And so I'm more in love with the people than I am the vocation of pastor. Yeah. And so I'm not gonna kind of move on to bigger and better pastoring or churching, you know, and um but it and then it it frees up everybody yeah. to to have different expressions, you know, in, in leadership. Um, It's
3: also loving the people more than the project. Yeah. Like that's that. I think that's where we've had to, because the project changes shape all the time. It has, I did not come to North Portland expecting this. You did not come out. here expecting this. We didn't expect to come to this, this place. Right. So I think that that's, that the loving, loving people more than the project that we have in our minds. Right. Yeah. Is, um, Oh, somebody gave me a Bonhoeffer quote that was really good about this where, um, those who, and I'll totally yeah, screw Gavin, this up. Gavin, Gavin, did Gavin it on said, Facebook, yeah. yeah, those who, um, who, uh, love their community will, um, experience it or the and those who love their vision their vision of community will destroy it and i think that that's the thing is if we are so stuck with what like you asked the question are you a real church well what does that mean right what does right. it look like i think that that the we might have once had a model for that or and i was certainly given in the beginning here's what it looks like here's right. the numbers here are the the main this is these are the the um metrics right this yeah. is how we're going to measure if you're real um and i think that that that's all being just kind of blown up and it's it's people churching together and that's what we're experiencing we're doing cool projects we're doing cool stuff amazing stuff that i'm so excited about but most most deep in me is this desire for the people yeah
2: yeah absolutely
3: yeah Mm. people
1: churching together i love that that's my new favorite verb Churching, Adam, yeah, I yep. got
3: that from my buddy Adam Phillips at Christ Church. He's the first one who started talking yeah, he about churching that a lot. Yeah, he that's, started talking about churching. It's like his favorite. Hashtag. I was like, dude, I'm yep. I'm totally stealing that, and it's I, I have to give him credit for that. But I I I like talking about it like that too.
1: Yeah. I'm going to start Jesusing too. yep Mm -hmm. yep
3: that'll That'll be really that'll be really annoying (laughs) that'll be be so annoying
0: (laughs) super annoying to this one Uh, jesus is so annoying (laughs) put put that on a (laughs) t-shirt uh well thank you so much for being here uh it's this is this has been a pleasure and we could talk for you know three more hours but we don't have that so uh so uh, we'd like to keep this conversation going. You can find us on UnsuccessPod at uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, where can they find uh, your church? What's the website for you? Sure?
3: PortsmouthUnionChurch.org. We are on Facebook. Um, what are their avenues?
2: Right now, that's kind I of the ones. I think
3: that's kind of it. You sorta, guys are on Google?
2: We're not. I mean, we're definitely on are Google.
0: You, are you, you can enjoying so 2010?
2: We are (laughs) enjoying. We we liked 2010. Yeah, people were really happy in 2010 right after the housing crash. I'm sure it was a. It's a great time to be alive. We don't
3: even post stuff that people get mad at.
2: Really.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Are Are you sure this is uh, Uh, you guys right? That might not be
2: true. Andy might not always live in reality. (laughs) No. Everything's really no. Great. I've not.
0: I've not seen anything <laughs> from your church Facebook page. This super uh, conf- controversial, confrontational at all. That that would be. But if you go to the Andy's. sermon, you go to so, the <laughs> sermon page. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Um, one thing that we are doing that I think is really going to be useful once we're, at, we're in the process of it is we're doing a, an ongoing. Um, semi-monthly newsletter that's called Spiritual Groundbreaking yeah, yeah. that is entirely uh, intended to be an educational and reflection component of our housing work so that other churches that are considering that work can th- see with us and alongside us why we made those decisions we made how we theologically uh, justify those decisions and what kind of conversations our church had step by step in order to get where we are and so that spiritual groundbreaking series is on our facebook page and on our website as well
3: you can sign up to be a part of the church newsletter and all that yeah yeah cool cool
1: well thanks guys i I love you, Andy and Jules, and I like you guys too. And <laughs> right back um, at you. Yeah, it's it's great. You know, being a longtime resident in kind of St. John's and North Portland, I yeah. I love it when other people take an interest in making our community better. Um, so it's it's exciting. Um,
0: yep. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, for the Unsuccess Pod, I'm David. And I am Josh. And you are, are. I'm
3: Jules. And I'm Andy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And uh, this has been the Unsuccess Podcast. We Wait, will see you next time. as we end it, are we going to huh? see them next time? Oh, good God. Um, we, every every <laughs> we single episode we've had, time? I say we'll see you next time. And Josh is like, it's a podcast, man. We, you don't. No one. See no one sees anything. We'll be I with you should, next time. I, you should ooh, be intentional
3: and just say, "We won't see you next time." We won't time. see you next
0: time. <laughs> I, I don't. I, I don't script we anything. Sound I probably should, but we, I don't. We hope so. you hear us next time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, we <laughs> hope that you'll use your ears to. <laughs> see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>